All right, everybody, welcome back to Homeless Tailgate Party. I'm your host, Thomas Jackson. Today, we have a very special guest for a very special episode. It is our third Best Bets Bonanza. Thanks a lot to Dylan Clark for agreeing to come on and talk some lines and spreads with us here this week. Uh, Couldn't pass it up for the amazing slate that we have on Saturday, so I really appreciate Dylan and his time putting in all the hard work and research that is required to do, uh, especially this type of an episode where we really dig in deep. Uh, So you'll hear, we'll get started with that in just a minute. Before I bring Dylan on, um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the third Saturday in October, uh, just from a historical and rivalry standpoint, because I know most people that are my age or just my generation, this Alabama-Tennessee rivalry has been basically dormant for the last 15 years. And a lot of people don't realize, even people that went to Alabama and maybe Tennessee, that this is one of, if not the premier SEC rivalry of all time. In my lifetime, Alabama has had a lot more competitive rivalry with Auburn and LSU, you know, really being the two big ones in the West that we play every year um, that everyone in the country knows, okay, Alabama, LSU, it's normally one of the biggest games, if not the biggest game of the regular season, Alabama, Auburn. Okay. Even if, you know, one team is bad and, you know, lately it's been Auburn sneaking up on Alabama. You just, you know, it feels like more often than not, it's just a really close and exciting and unpredictable game. Um, So people, my, you know, in my generation, I feel like, Alabama fans look at Auburn as the biggest rival. And in the past 15 years, whatever, they have been. Um, and, and LSU is a close second. Um, so, but if you ask people that are my dad's age, people, you know, my grandfather's age, it's Tennessee for them. That Tennessee is the biggest rival of Alabama, the most hated. And it's just weird because you know, people my age, I'm 25 years old, 26 soon, and I can only name a few Alabama-Tennessee games that were even close in my entire lifetime. Um, And, you know, it's not really a true rivalry if one team wins and the other team never is even close. So really weird rivalry um, in a lot of ways, but this this weekend, we've got number three Alabama at number six Tennessee. Um, 2.30 CBS game, third Saturday in October. And this feels like, you know, I was so young in 2005 when Tennessee was really good and Alabama um, had kind of our one good year under Shula, but we were undefeated at that point. Um, so I, I was too young to really grasp the scope of, you know, the the kind of bigger picture significance of that game. Um, So with that being said, uh, we'll talk about 2016 in a minute, but this is by far the biggest, you know, at least since Saban's been here, uh, the most anticipated and exciting matchup between the two teams, you know, for both fan bases, because normally I look forward to this game, but I know Tennessee fans really don't, you know, over the last 15 years, it's just been a bunch of curb stompings. Um, So I feel like this year, it has the chance to kind of revive this rivalry that has just been so one-sided and just 
just such a beatdown year after year after year ever since I was in fifth grade. Um, Alabama leads this all-time series 59-38 to with eight ties between the two teams. Historically, one way that this is a really strange rivalry, while both of these teams are very accomplished, uh, historical, classic, big brand college football teams, um, this is an extremely, extremely streaky rivalry, uh, meaning that it doesn't just go back and forth year after year like we've seen, you know, Alabama-Auburn sometimes or... Bama LSU when LSU, you know, I mean, I guess that's not the greatest. That's been pretty streaky too. Um, but anyway, um, this, so Alabama currently has a 15 game win streak against Tennessee, which is the longest in this rivalry's history. No team at any other point um, has popped off more than 15 in a row. And that dates all the way back to 2007, which was Nick Saban's very first year in Tuscaloosa. So I'm not sure when he was at LSU, but at least as the Alabama head coach, he is 15-0 and against the Tennessee Vols. Um, before this, Tennessee won 10 out of 12 of the matchups from 1995 to 2006. We're going backwards now. Uh, before that 10 out of 12 run from Tennessee, Alabama went 8-0-1, that one being a tie at the very end there, um, from 1986 to 1994. Before that, Tennessee won four in a row from 1982 to 1985. Before that, Alabama won 11 in a row, uh, the Bear Bryant decade, really, from 1971 to 1981. Before that, Tennessee won four in a row. Before that, Alabama went 5-0-1 in a six-year stretch. Before that, Tennessee went 5-0-1 in a six-year stretch. Now we're back at 1955. You get my point. It's just been a really, really strange, streaky rivalry uh, where both of these teams have great historic programs, um, but for whatever reason, it's like when one team wins one, then the other team just has to go sit in the closet for half a decade or or even more because it's, it's really strange how that's worked, but that is the story of this rivalry. Um, because of this streakiness, like I said, UT is the number one premier rival um, in the older Alabama generation's eyes. And, you know, we just discussed why that's not so much the case um, with the younger generation. And while it's, you know, normally been a pretty respected rivalry, I think, over the years um, between, you know, Bear Bryant and General Neyland and um, there's, you know, you can kind of tip your hat across the, you know, across the field, even if, even if um, you, you know, want to beat them more than anything on earth. But things definitely heated up in the early 2000s when fat-ass Phil Fulmer acquired information about Alabama violating NCAA rules and then called the NCAA and snitched on Alabama, getting them in trouble on probation there uh, when Alabama was already experiencing a lot of turbulence with coaching situations in the early 2000s. So that kind of sent Alabama into the dark times that I guess ended up with Nick Saban. Nick Saban wouldn't have been hired if it weren't for all of that happening, I'm sure. So in a way, I guess, thank you, Phil Fulmer. But that for that reason especially, 
um, a lot of people that are a little bit older than me and my peers that were old enough at the time to see, kind of understand the snitching and what was going on. And Tennessee was towards the end of that really long win streak they had against Alabama at that time. Uh, that made Tennessee into a really hated rival. And while I've never had the deep down uh, you know, hatred that some Alabama fans have for Tennessee. I've always known this and kind of kept this in mind over the years um, and tried to, you know, eat up every little bit of it while it's lasted over this 15-year run because you never know when something like this is going to end and then it's going to get flipped on its head and, you know, not in your favor. So maybe that's a Saturday, maybe it's not. Um, but just a lot, yeah, a lot of history there. Um, kind of on a different note, this rivalry, part of the reason, a lot of the reason it means so much to me is because, you know, in college football, we have so much pageantry and that's part of what makes it so great. It's part of why people are so passionate about this. Um, but just the unique traditions and rituals that every fan base has and some are shared, some are totally unique to where you went to school or grew up or whatever. Um, but this rivalry really just encompasses all of the best parts of that. It has the nickname, the third Saturday of October. And, you know, mid to late October in Tuscaloosa and Knoxville, it's always beautiful weather. Normally for these games, it's really pleasant uh, during the daytime in the 60s or 70s. And at nighttime, when the sun goes down, you know, you'll get one of those first few breezes of fall rolling in where you can, you know, feel really nice just to pull on a quarter zip or a, a light jacket and just it, it just it just feels like football weather it couldn't be any nicer um I, I wish I could see every game in weather like that instead of the boiling heat of September it's right in the heart of the season it's hard to it's it always flies by so fast I can't believe we're already on week seven but we are um just the colors of the fan bases I mean I fucking hate Tennessee's orange just the ugliest shit I've ever seen in my life but it does look cool when it when you know there's the orange and the Red Sea of Bryant Denny Stadium or some crimson patches, you know, in the middle of a, I know they're doing an orange out this Saturday or the checkerboard thing or whatever. And it's just, it's just a cool contrast. And obviously the greatest tradition of them all, the cigars, there's nothing better than when the sun's going down, you're slipping on a bourbon or a beer, whatever you want, and the game is wrapping up. A lot of these games have been such blowouts that when, you know, we're at the we're at the game, we'll light our cigar with a few minutes left in the fourth quarter because the game has been over for two hours at that point, and you just get this cloud of cigar smoke in the stadium. And while that's a lot of fun in Bryant-Denny, um, and the, the ass kicking of 2017, my junior year was one of the most fun days I ever had in college. Um, there's no better feeling than lighting a cigar in Neyland stadium, or, you know, on the other hand, I'm sure in Brian Denny for the Tennessee fans who are old enough to have done that. Um, but that, that is a truly, I mean, everybody, I hope everybody knows the feeling of going in and watching your team win on the road and walking out of that stadium and kind of feeling on top of the world, maybe looking for a little bit of trouble in the other town. But when you're walking out of Neyland stadium, man, you got the cigar smoke everywhere around all your brethren in crimson. It's truly just something else. So I'll, I digress, but all right. Now to get back to the more football part of it, 
Um, yeah, you know, all this stuff makes me a little romantic. It's just, it's, it's what college football is all about. And, you know, I'm glad that everyone's so excited for this game on Saturday because it's been a long fucking time since anyone but Alabama fans have been excited for this game. So it's, it's cool to see it getting some national attention um, and hype, even though I wish that I was as confident as I always am about Bama putting up, you know, 52 or whatever on that ass. But we'll talk about the game in depth in a little bit, a little, in a few minutes with Dylan. The current streak started in 07, like I said. Uh, this 2007 game, Alabama sucked that year. Tennessee, that was kind of their last good year before everything really fell apart in the late 2000s on into the entire next decade. Um, Alabama was the underdog. Alabama was not ranked. Uh, they hosted Tennessee, number 20 volunteers in Tuscaloosa. It was it was a beatdown, 41 to 17. This is the only time that Bama hasn't been a clear favorite um, in this stretch of 15 games. Alabama has only had two close games with Tennessee in that stretch. That's one of the more bizarre things about all of this because, like I said, we've all seen a ton of Iron Bowls where Auburn has no business being in the game. And, you know, they either win outright or like last year, you know, give Alabama the scare of their lives. And when Auburn was really good in the 2000s and Alabama was going through all the probation shit, you know, Alabama often had no business being in the game with those Auburn teams, but Alabama would normally put up a pretty good fight. Um, Tennessee has not been able to do that at all. Uh, I guess only two out of the 15 years have been decided by less than double digits. Both of those games were very close, obviously, uh, most notably 2009 when uh, Lane Kiffin was coaching the Volunteers for that short little stint. Um, that was the 12-10 to 10 game uh, when Tennessee was trying to ruin, ruin what ended up being a perfect season for Bama, and Terrence Cody had to have two blocked field goals in the fourth quarter to hang on to that two-point victory. Um, in 2015, people don't remember this one as much because I've been seeing, you know, the past week, the the Rocky Block, Mount Cody, that always comes up. But 2015, that was closer than people realize because I don't ever see anybody talking about that game. That was my freshman year at Bama, um, but Alabama won 19 to 14, and it came came down to the wire. It was very close as well. Um, that was, I believe, a very young Josh Dobbs leading that Tennessee squad to almost having the big upset. Otherwise, Tennessee's only faced Alabama uh, being in the top 25 one single time since 2007. That's in 2016 um, when they were number nine. That was Josh Dobbs next year, and Butch Jones seemed like he had figured things out in Knoxville at the beginning of that season. They started 5-0 and with wins over Florida and Georgia, um, losing to Texas A&M in overtime the week before Bama um, to ruin their perfect record. And But it was still expected that Tennessee was going to come out. I don't remember the spread. It was probably 14, if I had to guess, which is low for this rivalry over the last 15 years. Normally it's like 24, 27, 30 range. Um, I think that's what it was last year. I think Bama was favored by 24 because Stephen Owens had to pay me, I think, 100 spot after that game. Shout out to Steve. Um, but... <clears throat> 
yeah, Josh Jobs, which Jones, Tennessee still in the top 10. Uh, Bama came to town and rolled them 49 to 10. I was at that game. Um, that's the one I was talking about walking out of Neyland uh, with a top 10 victory and a cigar in my mouth. One of the best games I've ever been to in my life. Now, Tennessee is undefeated, and it's the biggest matchup with Alabama since at least 2005. But like I said, I was in third grade at the time. So we'll just say it's the biggest Alabama-Tennessee matchup in my lifetime. Um, that was just my little little 15-minute <laughs> preface on this rivalry. So I will shut up and we'll get on to the best bets bonanza, diving into uh, more of this year's matchup between Alabama and Tennessee with Dylan DC3 era Clark. Here we go. All right, everybody. We've got Dylan Clark here for the third edition of the best bets bonanza. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Dylan. We've got a absolutely stacked slate this Saturday, October 15th, week seven in college football. This is the first time in college football history that we have three matchups of teams five and oh or better. And also we've got six total ranked versus ranked matchups this weekend, which is the first time that's happened in five years. So we're going to go through a lot of the games, um, have a little more gambling centric view uh, than normal on all of these. So we'll be talking about the spreads, totals, whatever we like, don't like. Um, so we're going to get started off where college game day is going, where Dylan's going this weekend with our other buddy, Alex. Number three, Alabama is playing at number six, Tennessee, the first uh, probably competitive third Saturday in October in quite some time. Alabama is a seven point favorite. This line is a kind of a tricky one with the unknown status of Bryce Young over under there is 66. And this is the 230 CBS afternoon kickoff. Uh, I'm going to start. I'll kick it to you, Dylan, to begin with. Just one quick question. Do you need me to ship you some Alabama gear overnight before you head up to Knoxville? Because I've got a lot of great, you know, polos, quarter zips, hats, hoodies, whatever you need, all the color combinations. Um, just let me know what you would like, and I'd be happy to uh, help a brother out as always. Hey, right on. First of all, for answer, that, I just want to say thanks for having me on here, brother. <laughs> but to get to your question, you know, it's, it's funny you asked me because, um, a couple days ago in, in, in my group text with which includes Alex, uh, he, he said, all right, you know, for this game, you know, you guys know what to wear or whatever. But mentioned to uh, another family member, cousin that'll be going to the game, you know, just don't wear crimson. So <laughs> I said, I said, you know, knowing me, there's a few certainties in life, right? Death, taxes and the fact that you probably won't ever catch me wearing a crimson shirt. So I do appreciate your offer. Sorry to let you down. Well, as when it comes to the on the field situation with this game, um, we can't say for certain the status of Bryce, but everything I've seen and heard and the probably two dozen articles that I've read uh, this week have all pointed in the direction of him playing, although I don't think we're really going to know. I mean, I know we're not going to know until, you know, they run the starters out there the first series of the game because, why would Saban, you know, give them that benefit? Obviously, it doesn't make any sense from a competitive standpoint to do that. So for the sake of I guess we can do have a with Bryce and without Bryce conversation. But let's say Bryce is playing um, probably not going to be 100. I mean, he won't be 100 percent. Let's not kid ourselves. But 
Um, you know, if that were to be the case, what, how do you see this going, Dylan? Yeah. So obviously the biggest elephant in the room and the, the most of the weight of this entire conversation is if Bryce Young is going to be healthy or if he's not, and uh, you know, what, the, what's, what's that going to look like? But if Bryce is playing, you know, what concerns me the most about it is the fact that it's a throwing shoulder injury, right? So I don't, I didn't see uh, when he got injured, I didn't see the play, but given the fact it's his throwing shoulder, that definitely concerns me. Um, obviously I, you know, I assume that that information is kept very close to the chest inside the program. I don't really know what public information um, is known outside of the program there, but um, nothing, just getting, nothing's actually known. Nothing, <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Well, and, and, you know, saving the, he's the chess master, right? He's going to, he's going to keep that close to the chest, but um, you know, anyways, assuming Bryce plays, I, I, I think this is going to be a heavyweight dogfight, right? I think if Bryce is in there, they're going to get him juiced up. He's going to be feeling good. I say heavyweight dogfight, right? Tennessee has been outstanding all year offensively. Hendon uh, Hooker has exceeded all of his expectations. He's now – it's not just like, okay, you know, we're trying to get the balls to, you know, have a good season and we're playing good ball. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm building my case for uh, April – next April's draft and everything. He's really doing that. I think Tennessee has Sunday potential receivers, so I think they can put up points. Uh it's funny you mentioned the total was, uh, I think, 66 right now. When I took my notes earlier, uh, it was 64 and a half. So it's already been bet up a little bit. If Bryce plays, I think, you know, I, I like I like the game to go over that total. Um, I think it's going to be a slugfest or, as I like to call it again, a dogfight. Um, but, yeah, it's a lot comes down to is, is Bryce Young going to play or not. Yeah, I grabbed all of the numbers that I'm going to be reciting um, today when we go through the spreads and the totals this afternoon on DraftKings. So they should be pretty current, but obviously, you know, by the morning, there are quite a few things will have moved half a point or a point or more. Um, but yeah, we'll have different ones that's, you know, obviously coming from different sites and everything going to happen. Um so, yeah, uh, to speak on Tennessee's offense, a couple stats. They rank first in total offense in the entire country. Um, like you said, Hooker has been really phenomenal ever since he took over last year. Um, he that's, that's something I wanted to mention because if you think Tennessee is going to win this game, you should just go ahead and if you can bet on him to win the Heisman. I don't know what the odds are. His odds have obviously gotten a lot shorter since, you know, the last five or six weeks of football happened with him playing so well in Tennessee overall, you know, being a national player now. Um, but a lot of these, a lot of the Heisman winners that we've seen over the past 10 or 15 years, what really catapults them from being a you know in the conversation to one of the top dogs in the race is beating Alabama and you know we've seen it with not that Newton I mean that was so late in the season but you know Manziel and Burrow those them beating Alabama really put them in the front runner um, of the Heisman race but Tennessee's offense um, like I said, first in total offense in the country, they have the 13th most efficient offense when we look at EPA per game. And this is really highlighted by their passing game. Um, their defense is more of the question, especially the secondary, which it'll be interesting to see. That's one of the most interesting position on position matchups this week for me, because Alabama, um, I don't know, I probably sound fucking spoiled when I 
when I talk about our receivers this year, but they just haven't been the high, high caliber talent that we've grown used to over the past few seasons. So even though I think a lot of our receivers have a high ceiling, they just haven't been able to produce like the last several classes of guys have. Um, so will one of them step up because one of them might have to, you know, Holden or Brooks or Burton. I mean, there really hasn't been one guy that is, you know, taken over that receiving room. It's just been a couple guys here or there for a quarter and, you know, just really just a lot of, uh, Bryce will, Bryce will bail us out. It'll probably be fine. So that's something to watch against their secondary, if Bryce is playing, that's something that I think we'll definitely try to exploit. And even if his arm isn't full strength, um, <clears throat> we haven't really had a deep ball year anyway. So I, I I expect Alabama to try to, you know, pick them apart in the short to mid-tier um, passing game. Uh, sorry, got so many notes here trying to keep this somewhat brief. Um, so I guess my feelings over this are mixed. Like, obviously, I think think at this point Bryce is going to play but Alabama's just been so shaky on the road ever since the start of last year we're one in five against the spread in our last six road games which isn't too promising um we've just had struggles with the passing game all year and that's not going to be easy even against a compromised secondary whether it's Milrow or a kind of injured Bryce um and just the undisciplined nature of this team between the turnovers against Texas A&M, where we had four of them, and the penalties against Texas, where I think we had 16, and it set the record uh, for most amount of penalties on a Saban Alabama team ever, and still snuck out with the wins, but, you know, Tennessee's different, and... Um, you know, if they decide if Alabama gets 15 turnover or 15 penalties or four turnovers, then I don't think they're going to win this game. If it's Bryce, we can afford to make some mistakes. If it's Milrow, we're going to have to pl play a really clean and zipped up, um, zipped up game to, to be able to handle this team in that environment. Yeah, no, um, that environment's going to be loud. They're going to be rocking. They know that this is the biggest game that uh, they've played in uh, probably in the last 20 years, to be honest with you. But uh, getting going back to your points earlier about Tennessee's secondary, uh, that's one of the matchups I have circled uh, is Bama's ability to potentially exploit a weak Tennessee secondary. Uh, one, one thing I'd like to add, and forgive me for not remembering this guy's name, but Tennessee's four-year starter and probably best defensive back just got uh, arrested this week. I'm not sure. Assume he's probably not playing because of that. So that's definitely not uh, in Tennessee's favor for that matchup. Jalen um, McCullough. Uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but yeah, uh, arrested for aggravated assault. We saw on Twitter that he was suspended for one game, but it was going to be the next game against like UT Martin or something. I don't know if that was like a ball sack sports account or not. So I, I don't know if he's playing I, or not. I think I can believe either way. I think that was a troll. Yeah, I, I think that was a troll, even though I, yeah. <laughs> I like I like to think that, you know, guy gets arrested. Sure, you're suspended one game, but it's going to be UT Martin, not them. Yeah. <laughs> but, in any, any, anyways, though, um, the other key matchup I have circled is Bama's offensive line uh, and their ability to slow down Tennessee's pass rush because Tennessee, you know, defensively, that, that I think that's where their question marks lie, but they do have a very high pressure rate uh, at their defensive line. Um, 
I think they can get after the quarterback to some degree. And so will Bama's offensive line be able to protect, uh, especially protect Bryce Young if he's in there injured. But more importantly, yeah, even if, uh, if Milrose in there, he's definitely going to need um, that extra time uh, because, I mean, I don't know. I mean, last week I, I really didn't get a chance to watch uh, the Bama A&M game closely, but I heard Milrow look like he – played with some anxiety that definitely didn't look comfortable and that was at home and you know not at Neyland Stadium yeah and the the O-line didn't do a great job I mean A&M's defensive front is tough they've got a lot of you know young studs and that's the strong point of Tennessee's uh, defense as well so yeah I mean Alabama has been really good running the ball but I mean what whichever quarterback it is I mean especially I mean either way we got to keep Bryce upright we got to keep him safe and then Milrow like he can't be panicking trying to just get the ball out you know as fast as possible every single play because he might just get really spooked really fast which could be a downward spiral. Um, some things in this game, I kind of was just talking about some things that worry me with the road game and Bryce's shoulder and the undisciplined nature of this team and everything. Some things that do give me a little bit of confidence uh, going into this. Tennessee, yes, they've been impressive, but I'm not really sure what to think of any of the teams that they've beat this year. Like Pittsburgh seemed like a good win at the time. Then they came out and lost to Georgia Tech, who was just in shambles. Like Florida has been all over the place this year. LSU has been all over the place this year. So like all those teams, I don't really have a good pulse on. And of course we'll get a better pulse on Florida and LSU after they square off on Saturday night. We'll talk about that one in a few minutes, but um, I just don't know. I, I mean, and you know, I'm not trying to take anything away. They won the games, a couple of them on the road. Um, but all those teams have just seemed, seemed shaky to where it's like, okay, I don't know if Tennessee's really good or these teams were just really bad on that day. Like, we'll see. But, you know, they won the games. Uh, something that they haven't done. They would have lost a couple of those games the past many, many years. Um, our defense has been playing really well. And I think that even against Tennessee's great offense, the defense will be able to get some stops, um, you know, if we really need them to desperately in the second half. Um, they can, you know, they can put a few of those together and kind of flip the momentum of the game as they've done this year against Texas and Arkansas. The rushing game has been pretty good. Um, I mean, there have been a couple big breakout games. Gibbs has been phenomenal. Um, otherwise, we just, you know, need a little more consistency from the backups with turnovers and preventing those and everything. I need a wide receiver to break out. Like I was saying, like I need like this, you know, it's time it's, it's game six or seven. And, you know, it's time for one of these four or five star studs to step up and say, okay, this is my wide receiver room. I would love for it to be Treshawn Holden, but at this point I'll take anybody. Um, you know, we've had their number for 15 years. And the thing that makes me feel better than anything is that according to DraftKings, 83% of the money and 79% of the bets are on Tennessee plus seven, which makes me more confident than anything I just said, because we've seen it time after time after time when it seems like there's an easy public underdog, like ev all of America is wearing orange, gaudy pumpkin throw up orange right now. Everybody is just head over heels for Tennessee. And that makes me feel wonderful. I don't know how Alabama is going to get it done necessarily with the, all the questions that still loom, but my pick in this game is Alabama minus seven. 
All right. And there you have it. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, typically I really don't like to follow what I call the herd mentality, right? If the, if the general public is really heavy on one side that typically, typically I like to run away from that, but in this, I'm, I'm going to have to oppose you here. I'm, I'm on the balls, get the cover plus seven, plus seven and a half, depending on whatever, whatever book you're on, where you're getting your line. I think that in this home environment, I think it's going to be uh, roaring and rocking. I think that, you know, the Tennessee fans, their, their bellies are going to be full of beer. They're going to be juiced up. Game day is going to be there. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, and if Rice Young's playing, I'm taking that over. Uh, but that's a decision I'm not making until, you know, until I have a better understanding of that. If, if Milrow's in, then definitely favor the under. Um, Bryce Young's in there. I like them. I, I like this game to go over. I like Tennessee to cover the cover the seven. But, yeah, going to be a good one. I'll be there. It's the first game I've ever been to, college football-wise, that Auburn has not been playing in. So, yeah, it's gonna be a good one. Yeah, well, I'm happy. I'm happy you'll be there. It's gonna be a hell of a scene, and totally agree with with um, your your takes on the total between the two quarterbacks and everything. And well, I I don't know. I I feel like Bryce is gonna play, and I you know probably won't actually put my own money on the game until I'm more certain of that. But also, if that does happen, maybe that line moves up closer to ten. Um, I think this line is kind of kind of baked to where it's like, okay, we think he's going to play at like not 100% health. Cause if it was confirmed Milrow, it would definitely be a lower line. And if it was a confirmed 100% Bryce, it might be up to, towards 10. So whatever we will agree to get disagree on the first one. Let's move on and get to some of the other games around the country. Next, we've got another Top 10 undefeated matchup between number 10, Penn State, and number five, Michigan. This one is in Ann Arbor. Uh, Michigan is a seven-point favorite over under 51, and this is one of the 11 o'clock Fox big noon kickoffs. Dylan, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, another great game, and and love that this great game is coming nice, bright, and early in the morning here. Um, You know, things I like on this – so starting with the Michigan Wolverines, they're top 10 uh, in, the, in the country in pass defense and run defense. They're a very hard-nosed defensive team. Um, you know, they've gotten a lot of questions lately as to some of these closer outcomes uh, that they've been playing in than, you know, what the perception was supposed to be. But I don't know. I, they're, they're, they're a very tough defensive team. I, I, I tend to like that. Uh, I'm really not sold on Penn State just yet. Yeah, they're undefeated. Both these teams haven't lost a game yet. Penn State, um, they they beat a they, they came into Jordan Hare Stadium and beat an Auburn team that's really not very good. Yes, they did beat Auburn very well, but uh, I really, I don't know. I, I still am not sold on them. So, uh, you know, I'll let you give a take or two if you want. You want to hold hold final thoughts on on this one, but you know, right now I like Michigan. I, I like them with the points, uh, and uh, to be honest with you, I expect this to be a defensive game. Well, I agree with you on the defensive part of it, but we uh, will disagree on the spread once again. Um, So interesting kind of like big picture about this game. Uh, This is actually kind of a college football playoff elimination game because both of these teams still have to play Ohio State. And if we're assuming that Ohio State, Ohio State would be favored against these teams by maybe close to a touchdown right now. Um So let's assume that both of these teams lose to Ohio State. And then since they're all three in the same, that Big Ten East division, 
Ohio State would advance to the Big Ten or uh, yeah, Big Ten championship game and beat whoever comes out of the West and move on to the playoff. But then you have the winner of this Penn State Michigan game. If they can win all their other games besides Ohio State, you've got an 11 and one team whose only loss was to the undefeated conference champion with the hell of an argument as the number four team to get into the playoff. Of course, there can't be like four undefeated conference champs, which there is the possibility of that right now um, since the PAC 12 and big 12 are both kind of up this year. But um, if you lose this game, then you're probably done with your playoff hopes unless you pulled some crazy, you know, upset of Ohio State. But if you win it, that's a really interesting kind of long term picture to look at either of these teams with because they could afford to lose that game if they got a little help elsewhere around the country. Um, so massive implications here, um, not just in their division and conference, but for the playoff Penn State. Um, you know, they have a really bad track record under James Franklin against top 10 teams, especially on the road. Their last top five road victory was in 1994. Um, but they do have a really good secondary. And I think that it's going to be the hardest opposition that J.J. McCarthy, the young Michigan quarterback, has faced. Um, a really interesting matchup to watch here is going to be the Penn State rushing game against the Michigan uh, rush defense. But Penn State, their offense has been clicking a lot better. Sean Clifford, like the ninth year senior, however fucking long he's been there. it's It's been a long time, but since he's been being helped out by a rushing game, that's definitely the best uh, in Happy Valley since they had Saquon. Makes me feel decent about their chances between slowing down the Michigan passing game and being able just to establish a ground and pound, even against Michigan's good rushing defense. I think Penn State will still be able to do enough to keep the defense off, you know, off the field for the whole game. I'm going with the Nittany Lions here plus seven. I think it'll be close. Um, and part of why I like that so much is because I'm taking the first quarter under 10 and a half and the first half under 24 and a half. I'm a little scared for the full game in case the passing game of Michigan does really start to pop off and things get a little crazy in the second half and a close game. Um, but I could just see this being kind of a slow classic uh, you know, first quarter, first half under Big Ten type of game before everybody gets a little, you know, gets some more uh, juice in their system in the second half and things get get a little unpredictable. So first half under 10 and a half. No, first quarter under 10 and a half, first half under 24 and a half and Penn State plus seven. Yeah, just just a few final thoughts on that. I'm glad that you favor the under there. I was going to say. I definitely favor the under um, in this game. Again, I think it's going to be a defensive game. I think you saying, yeah, I think it's going to be a slow developing, slow starting game is the right take. Um, also wanted to add, if you're betting Penn State, the words to remember are Joey Porter Jr., number nine. You'll, you'll see him on the, in the secondary. You've already, you already highlighted the fact they have a good secondary. That, that brother can bring it. He's going to show up. He's probably going to show up in the first round of next year's NFL draft. He is for real. So if, if you like Penn State, then – JP Jr. He's, he's your guy. I'm trusting that they're a little different than in years past this year. They're, they've kind of taken another ha you know, half step forward, and it does scare me with their record as a road team against high-ranked opposition. But, I mean, 
I mean, even though we'll talk about Auburn later, but even though, you know, they're not much of anything this year, just them still coming into that hostile environment. They went into Purdue, who's pretty good and got a week one Thursday night victory there. So they've they've been through a couple battles in hostile environments. So I'm I'm hoping that seven points is enough. We'll see. They don't have to win. Just get in that seven. Let's move on to Fort Worth. Is that where TCU is? Fort Worth? Fort, okay, Fort I, Worth, yeah, I, got that I thought so. I got that in my notes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Number 13 TCU hosts the number eight Oklahoma State Cowboys. Uh, this is our third and final uh, undefeated matchup of the day. TCU is a three and a half point favorite. Yeah, I went a little bit out of order here, Dylan, just to get the undefeated games all, all in the same. My bad. TCU is a three and a half point favorite. Over under is a whopping 68 and a half. And this is a 230 kickoff. Dylan, what you got here? All right. Right off the bat here, I like the over in this game. Both these teams average 46.4 points per game. They These, these teams light up the scoreboards um, on offense, and then defensively they don't really bring it that much. So if, if, uh, if you're thinking anything, my first thoughts are about the over here. Um, TCU is, in fact, in Fort Worth. Uh, I was going to bring up that this is going to be a gun show in Fort Worth. I like, again, I like an offensive battle, offensive slugfest. It will be a marathon, I think. Um, as far as uh, the game goes, you're right. A couple unbeaten, unbeaten teams. TCU has looked really good this year. They're coming off that win versus Kansas. Uh, I was on TCU last week. I got them at six and a half. I think most of the public got them at seven. Some got them at seven and a half and did not get the cover for that reason. Um, I don't know. I, so far this year, I've liked this TCU team. They beat the hell out of Oklahoma a couple weeks ago. I mean, they just showed up and brought it. Um, Oklahoma State, though, and that's not to get ahead of myself. They, they've looked really good, too. They're obviously undefeated. I think their biggest win this year is versus Baylor. Um, I like TCU, though. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of the public is favoring Oklahoma State, um, at least from what I, what, I, what I can see. It seems like people are on them, and, and for good reason. They're a good team, but I don't know. This is a home game at TCU. Don't know how much that matters there, but anyways, I, I think this is a good team, TCU. I think I think they can bring it. Interesting game that I've gone back and forth on all week. I was I I have Oklahoma State plus the points written down, but I've changed my mind today and kind of flipped to TCU, which has made me just want to not touch the game at all. But if you like TCU, then I'll probably follow you, you there. And in this type of a game, it feels just like play the over. Just don't play it at all, because. I mean, yeah, the, the, these offenses are phenomenal. TCU's defense isn't isn't much. I mean, even Kansas with their backup quarterback, who played basically all game last week, put up 31 on TCU. Um, so that's almost enough to to um, get half of that total themselves with a backup. And Oklahoma State's defense is it's it's better than like a Kansas or obviously a Oklahoma. Um, but I kind of I kind of like what you're saying there. So I might I might tag along, but I don't really have I've just been flip flopping on this one so much. I don't know. I, I part of me wants to go with Gundy and just kind of trusting the establishment that is the consistent brand of Oklahoma State. Um, over the past so many years, but yeah, I, I, I've just been flip-flopping too much to have an actual confident take on this one. So I'm passing, but I might, I might tag along with your picks. <laughs> yeah. Just lastly on that, you mentioned Gundy. I, I hate not riding with Gundy. I mean, how the hell can you not like the guy also Oklahoma state? They're the Cowboys, you know, 
I think guns up is the right way to uh, view this game. Again, it's going to be a gun show, but I don't know. I just, I like TCU in this one. I think that, uh, I think they get it done and definitely bet the over if you're one to, if you, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, where do I go with this one? The over is, uh, my favorite pick in this game. There's just so many good games this weekend. Like that's at two 30. So I'm not going to see any of it <laughs> realistically. Same time as the Bama game. I'm not going to be watching TCU, but I, I, I wish I could, I wish it was at morning or at night, but that'll be a fun one. Regardless, uh, crazy how, how all these teams in the big 12 kind of risen up this year. Let's move on to my neighbor's state, Utah, where the Utes are hosting uh, the number 20 Utes are hosting number seven USC in Salt Lake City in the fog. Seven o'clock kickoff central time. Uh, Utah is a three and a half point favorite. We're going to talk about this line a lot. <laughs> Over under is another high one here at 65. So this is a weird one where Utah is four and two and USC is six and zero. Oh. USC is ranked 13 spots higher than Utah, yet Utah is the three and a half point favorite. What are your thoughts here, Dylan? Yeah, another another great game. And it's interesting. Again, I, I saw that line. I saw Utah, you know, favored despite the fact that USC is coming in there six and zero. Um, whatever USC is looking really good. Lincoln Riley's got him playing great ball, and Caleb Williams is looking very good out there at USC. Um, just initially my, my first thoughts on the, on the total 65, I kind of like the under in this one. I, I think that's the way I'm going to, if I were to play anything, I'd, I'd favor the under, but, um, as far as the spread goes, you know, I think Utah is a good team. I think they're a tough team. They've had a couple of tough losses last week. I was, I was on them. Uh, they lost to UCLA, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was on Utah last week. <laughs> yeah, I was too. I don't, I don't like that USC is the dog in this game i'm not really sure why they're the dog maybe vegas knows some and i don't but fishy, for those right? reasons right there i i like usc plus three and a half that's my lean in this game for sure so it just feels too fishy for me i mean if anything i like going into this game if you told me three and a half point spread which team is the favorite i would have said usc all day every day after what we've seen from these teams uh, Utah, I, I picked them to go to the playoffs. So I've been really disappointed with their couple of losses so far this season. My pick on this game is Utah first half minus three, which I don't love the number because normally the first half spread is about half of the full game spread. So I was expecting... Uh, we're looking at U- Utah minus three and a half full game. So I was expecting Utah minus one and a half minus two uh, for the first half spread. Instead, it's minus three. I think that's because Vegas knows the stat that I'm about to recite to you. Utah has the best first half scoring differential in the Pac-12. USC has the best second half scoring differential in the Pac-12. So Utah starts really fast and USC starts pretty slow and then it flip-flops in the second half. And we've all seen these weird foggy night games in Salt Lake City up at elevation. Things just get a little strange for the visiting team so far. USC's only played one ro- one true road game. I'm not counting Stanford where there were 30 people there, uh, but they went to Corvallis and played Oregon State and 
damn near got their ass beat up there by the Beavers in another kind of weird, foggy road spot. So I'm going Utah first half, minus three. Don't love the number, but I'm riding with my Utes one more time this season before I swear them off for good, because I think if nothing else, they'll come out strong. They'll have a good atmosphere there for the night game. And then maybe USC figures it out in the locker room at halftime and comes out and covers or wins the game in the second half, much like the Oregon State game went. So that's it. First half Utah for me. Really, really interesting take there. And I was not aware of those stats, by the way. So thank you for you know, pointing those out. Uh, if, if you're playing this game, if you're thinking about putting any any juice on it, that's definitely something I would consider. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I think, I think overall, I'm going to keep my pick at USC plus the points, but you know, maybe, maybe the correct angle is to bet the, um, the first half, uh, Utah with the points there. If USC starts yeah, that slow, if, like you said, then yeah. If anyone's book allows a same game parlay on this game, what I might look into is doing like a Utah first half money line paired with USC to cover the full game or, you know, something like that. So that could be interesting. Um, but yeah, that's about it for Salt Lake city. All right. Next we have Arkansas at BYU. This line has been jumping all over the place. It is now, at least as of a couple hours ago on Thursday afternoon, a pick them uh, total is 66 and a half. This is at two thirty in Provo. Um, really weird game because both of these teams had high hopes coming into this season. Both have suffered uh, BYU a couple losses, including Notre Dame last week, which was to the uh, high regret of this podcast on best bets. Um, and Arkansas has dropped three straight. KJ Jefferson did not play last week after suffering a head injury at the end of the Alabama game. He has been practicing and it sounds like he's going to play, which I think is why this line has moved from BYU plus about or minus about a field goal to a pick him now. Um, BYU's quarterback Jaron Hall also has a soldier, a shoulder injury. Um, so I don't know. Any thoughts on this one? Dylan? Yeah. So you've already said a few of the points here, right? KJ Jefferson, that was going to be one of my questions to you is, is he going to play or not? Um, got that head, head injury. Yeah, the, this game's a pick em. I found that really interesting. I'm going BYU, to be honest with you. It's it's at BYU. Arkansas has lost three in a row. T- typically, I would not like to go against the SEC. Um, and the past couple of years, I've been high on the Hogs, right? I, I want to root for them. You know, I want to I want to pull for, for the Razorbacks, but uh I don't know, man. I, they've lost three straight. Something, Something's not good going on there. I'm, I'm worried they might have had the wheels fall off. I don't really know. But anyways, with this BYU game, I'm, you know, they just they just lost 28-20 to Notre Dame last week. I was on BYU last week. Um, don't love that they let me down there, but I'm, I'm going to go with BYU. We're going to go with the Mormons. It's out there in Utah. So, you know, whatever. They like. I don't know how they get up for game day, but. We're going to take them this week. <laughs> yeah, 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 good point. Um, yeah, it's a stay away from me. Uh, maybe maybe Saturday morning, if we get some more information on how these quarterbacks are shaking out, I might go one way or the other. But uh, hard hard to form an opinion with when both quarterbacks are questionable. But yeah, definitely, a, it, it's a tough place to play for any road team. Um, so it'll be an interesting one that I also won't, won't get to watch being at 2.30. Um, next we have... Number 19 at Kansas at Oklahoma, another really weird line. 
Oklahoma is minus nine. The total is 62. This is a morning 11 o'clock central kickoff. Kansas's quarterback, uh, Jalen Daniels, he suffered an injury um, in the first half against TCU, and Kansas's backup quarterback, Jason Bean, came into the game, played really well, completed two-thirds of his passes for 262 yards and four tutties um, and 34 rushing yards. So he's clearly a capable uh, backup quarterback, um, and you know Kansas only lost that game by a touchdown to TCU. So... I think Gabriel is going to be back for Oklahoma, which is maybe why they made them such a big favorite. Um, but I don't know. It's a weird one. What do you think? Yeah, the green bean, man. You already said the words. Um, a weird game here, right, with uh, Jaden Daniels going down for Kansas. Um, and really weird to me, mind you, that they're, you know, they're catching nine versus Oklahoma team who's lost three games in a row. Um Another stat I had on that is that, you know, Oklahoma hasn't just lost three weeks. They've been blown out, right? They've lost by an average spread of 20 points or more, including 49. They It was, I think, a 49-0 game versus Texas last that's week, right? right? Yep, that's yeah, right. so, I mean, it's not like they're playing close games. You know, they're they're in these games. It's like, no, they're, they're showing up, and their team is smacking them in the mouth. So Like they probably couldn't stop the Hampton Cove Bulls right now. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Right. So for, for those reasons, I favor Kansas with the points plus nine. I'm not really worried if Jaden Daniels doesn't play because, again, I mean, the bean, the bean man, green bean, green bean showed up, showed out four tutties last week. I'm not worried about him versus Oklahoma defense. Yeah, I'm on Kansas as well. And the under in this game, um, I don't know. It's I, with the backup quarterback and the quarterback returning after, after a few weeks off for injury from Oklahoma. Um, I just, it's, it's a high total and I'm going to, I'm going to take my chances here with that Oklahoma defense and hope that they can get like one or two stops in the game and go under 62. But I, I, the Kansas plus nine is the play that I feel a little more confident about in this one. Now we'll move on to another ranked versus ranked matchup. Number 15, NC State, goes to the Carrier Dome, taking on number 18, Syracuse. Uh, the Orangemen are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The first low total I think we've talked about today, 41-and-a-half is the over-under here. This one's at 230. Another – there's so many damn quarterbacks hurt this year. It sucks. Devin Leary is, I don't think, going to play in this game. Um, their backup – for NC State, Jack Chambers played for four years at Charleston Southern before he transferred to the Wolfpack. So he has some experience. Um, but yeah, this total super low because Syracuse can really only run the ball and NC State can defend it. And NC State's playing with the backup QB. So what do you think? Yeah, weird, tough game here. Um, my my first thoughts on, on seeing this was, okay, I saw that 40, 42 point total. I'm like, why is that so low? So so dive more into it. Come to find what you mentioned, Devin Leary not playing this the starting QB for NC State. Um, you mentioned the backup. Uh, you know, before he was at Charleston Southern, he was at Lil he was from Lilburn, Georgia, Parkview High School. And just wanted to throw a quick fun fact out there that Everyone I know from Parkview got that dog in them, including brave slugger Matt Olson. So oh, let's go. <laughs> uh, I, I do like that. I don't know if that's enough reason for me to like NC State in this game or not. This is for me. This is a stay away game. I think the one uh, play I would consider is the 
Uh, Syracuse first half minus one and a half. I, I, I saw where NC State's top defensive back, Shaheen Battle, is out for targeting. So if, if anything, maybe maybe look at the first half spread on, on Cuse. But other than that, I don't know. I don't really – this is a weird game to me that I'm not sure I like, you know, throwing – Throwing around, so I don't know. What are your thoughts? Good looks on that targeting. I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, in, I, I've got NC State plus three and a half. I just think that outside of the quarterback situation, I think that they have the overall just more talented team. They're a veteran squad with or without Leary. Um, so I'm taking them plus the three and a half. And, you know, I mean, I like taking the points in a game that's supposed to be as low scoring as this one. It can be an ugly uh, you know, 10 to 13 loss for the Wolfpack and we could still get there on the spread. So that's it for that game. Uh, let's move to the swamp. Uh, surprisingly, normally this would be a ranked first ranked game, but not this year. Uh, the Gators are hosting LSU. Florida is a three point favorite over under is 51. This one kicks off at six o'clock. What do you have on this one, Dylan? Man. Yeah. You've already mentioned this in this pod, but both these teams, LSU and Florida just both not looking good this year. Both do have first-year head coaches, right? Brian Kelly at LSU, Billy Napier at Florida. Um, both, you know, both teams don't convince me, you know, a case for them on either side. But I would say I I, I tend to favor LSU with the points in this game. Um, they're coming off that embarrassing loss versus Tennessee last week. Um I like them to possibly get a bounce back game or at least at least cover um, the swamp is by no means a, an easy place to play. I've learned that firsthand, but more than more so than the cover. I like the under in this game, the under you know, 51 point total. That's my strongest play of this. Maybe LSU at the points, but I don't know. What, what, what do you think? I've got the under as well. So I'm glad we're seeing eye to eye on that. Both of these teams are better at running the ball than they are passing the ball, which favors the under. Um, and I just think it's just going to be an ugly, sloppy game. And I don't I don't really feel good enough about either team to to have a strong opinion on the spread one way or the other one way or the other. So I'm going with under 51 in this one. Yeah, I like it. All I right. Ride with the under. Next, we'll stay in the Sunshine State. Number four, Clemson goes to Tallahassee to play FSU. Clemson is a three and a half point favorite. Over under is also 51. And this is a 630 kickoff. Thoughts? Another under that I like here. That's where I'm going with this game. I also, I like Clemson with the points. Um, I was seeing them at minus three and a half. I'm not sure if the line's moved or not, but. Let's see, FSU is coming off back-to-back losses, uh, and those losses were both to NC State and Wake Forest, whom of which Clemson both beat. Clemson did beat Wake Forest in a uh, just absolute barn burner. I think that was a two-overtime game. Uh, the final score I can remember is 51-44, so definitely an over game. But Clemson, you know, they've, they've came out on top of those games, right? DJ, I'm just going to say ukulele for the fact that I can't pronounce his last name. I don't know how the hell you say it, but he's exceeded my expectations. And I think everyone's expectations of him, you know, he did not have a good year last year. He's playing good enough ball for them to be where they are now. Um, I don't know if it'll be a pretty game again. That's why I got the under, but I, I like Clemson with this one. Yeah. I didn't really have a strong lean either way on this one. Um, I could definitely be talked into that under though. I was thinking maybe Florida state can make a nice like teaser leg. If you could get that in like a six and a half point teaser and get them up to 10, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. It seems like a, 
a tricky spot for Clemson at night on the road and everything. Um, should be a really entertaining game, but yeah, I, I'll, I'll defer to you on that one. Uh, another ranked versus ranked matchup. We've got number 16, number 16, Mississippi State at number 22, Kentucky. Uh, this line has been jumping quite a bit because of the uncertain status of Will Levis. Uh, last I checked, it was Mississippi State minus four. The over-under is 49, and this game is at 6.30 Saturday night. Yeah, so going at that one, you know, I was also looking before we recorded this, is Will Levis going to play or not? From what I can tell, to me, it looks like he's trending towards playing. Um in this game. And so if that's the case, I'm definitely on, on the cats with the points. Uh, I was seeing Kentucky plus six and a half. Um, even if Levis doesn't, didn't play, I might still take Kentucky, but I don't know. I, I think right now my head's taking, taking the cats with the points in this one. Yeah. This is just a wait and see. Cause if he doesn't play, I'm definitely not going to touch Kentucky after how bad they looked against South Carolina last week suffering the loss at home. Mississippi State has been really hot this year and seems like they're kind of finding their stride and living up to their their ceiling that we we thought that they might have in the in the preseason, but yeah, with Levis questionable, I don't I don't really have a, a feel for this one myself. Uh, state states states having a really good year. That, that's not to take any anything away from Mississippi State. They they definitely look like a tough team. Um they've definitely exceeded so far in my opinion but I, I think I think the right way to approach this is to see what the status on Levis is if he's in there I would take the cats with the points at home um but you know as far as the the game outright I mean Mississippi State's a tough team so that, I think that's the correct take now we'll go to the Lone Star State Iowa State plays at number 22 Texas Texas is minus 15 and a half coming off of their huge win in the Red River shootout over under 49 this is an 11 a.m game what you got Dylan Ooh, see I don't I don't have as much on this one as, as these past ones but 15 is a lot man Texas is coming off that big huge emotional win versus Oklahoma let's just talk about that outright right who, who usually wins that game? It's usually not Texas, at least not in recent years. So that's an emotional win. This is a, a early 11 a.m. game. I'm going to ride with the Iowa State Cyclones plus 15. You know, my, my words are on it. Hopefully she moves her body like a cyclone this morning or this Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about taking the points as well. Um, uh, oh, yeah, just a little note I had. Texas and Kentucky are both number 22 in the AP poll because they tied in AP points, which I don't know. I'm sure it's happened before, but I don't ever remember seeing that. So that was kind of odd. Um, but yeah, Iowa State, they've lost three straight games, but to all good teams in Kansas, Kansas State and Baylor. Um, both of these teams have really good defenses. Iowa State has a top defense in the Big 12, and Texas's is really good themselves. Iowa State's offense, though, is what gives me kind of pause about taking those points because Texas's offense might be able to run away with it. You know, if Iowa State, if they if their you know offense just can't stay on the field at all. So I was thinking maybe an Iowa State first half here with it, especially with it being an early game and a you know kind of a letdown spot for Texas and they play Oklahoma State next week. So kind of a little tricky trap spot here for the Longhorns. 
Um, but the, the one play that I do have down is under 49. Cause I think both of these defenses will be able to keep the other offense in check. And even if, do, if Texas does get theirs on offense, I don't think Iowa state will be able to really put up much of a fight, uh, for on the scoreboard. So I've got under 49 in that one. Next, let's talk about your team. Um, the Auburn Tigers are going to play at number nine, Ole Miss. The Rebels are a 14 and a half point favorite over under 55 and a half. And this is an 11 a.m. Uh, I've got a couple notes, then I'll let you go. Uh, really weird stat. Ole Miss hasn't beaten Auburn since 2015 when we were freshmen in college. And Auburn is 13 and three ever in Oxford. So weird series that I didn't realize was so one sided, um, especially when Auburn goes there to play. Um, but I mean, Ole Miss has been looking really good. They haven't really had a hard schedule at all up to this point. The Kentucky win was impressive, but otherwise they've really just had a bunch of super easy games. Auburn, obviously the tur tur turmoil that's been going on in that program. What do you like anything in this game? What, what, what do you think? Yeah, I'm staying far, far, far away from this game. I, <laughs> I, think I definitely me too. <laughs> won't be, yeah, I definitely won't be putting my gambling dollars on this game, but I mean, you, you said the points, you know, that I was thinking earlier, right? Ole Miss hasn't beaten Auburn since 2015. Uh, Auburn plays very well in Oxford, but one other thought that I have on that is, um, you know, last year was last year Lane Kiffin's first season in Oxford. I think it was right. Um, 2020 was 2020. Okay. Last year, Ole Miss had a lot of momentum going into the Auburn Ole Miss game. That game was on Halloween weekend. Um, let's see here. It was it was in Jordan Hare. It was a night game. Uh, Auburn came out early and just smacked them. Um, we didn't play good in the second half, but we still won the game. Um, really, at, after that point in the season is when things started going really down the rails for Harson and 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 really to where we are today as a program at Auburn, but. You know, having said that, and then looking at the points in this game, Ole Miss, I think they were a 14-point favorite. Uh, again, I'm not doing anything with this game, but um, I do think that Lane Kiffin, maybe, maybe he's going to have something to prove and a chip on his shoulder Look, looking back at that Auburn game last year. I mean, again, they were – Ole Miss had a lot riding on him. Auburn came out there last season and played very well. So, I'm wondering how Ole Miss is going to respond, um, or, you know, if Lane Kiffin's going to think back to that game at all this Saturday. Yeah, and if I didn't know any better, I would not hesitate to take Ole Miss laying the the couple touchdowns. But just with the weird history um, with how Auburn's had their number, even when it's been bad Auburn teams, they've still been able to to get the Rebs. Um, I mean, you know what, six seven in a row. So yeah, I, I I'm gonna stay away. It's 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 just too weird and I can never be whether I'm betting on Auburn or against them like my success rate in that is just historically awful so I'm I'm not going to touch yeah, that same, touch that one same. myself life lifelong lifelong Auburn guy here who has not really ever achieved much gambling success with Auburn as probably most <laughs> Auburn fans would say yeah. so yeah stay away just stay away so those are all the games that I have written down to go over uh, specifically. Do you have any other plays to kind of wrap this thing up that you like? Yeah, I had a couple more. I just want to get your thoughts on. Um, so off the card, we've talked about, I saw Illinois plus six and a half at home versus Minnesota. Minnesota is, you know, I think they're looking pretty good this year. I think they're a strong team, but Illinois, they're five and one on the year. Minnesota is four and one. 
Um, so I guess Minnesota has had a bye week that Illinois hasn't had yet. Illinois is four and two against the spread, Minnesota four and one. So both teams playing really well against the spread, but catching six and a half on the road, five and, you know, five and one on the year. I, I kind of like that. What, what do you, what do you think there? So I had this one written down the plus six and a half until this afternoon when I looked into it a little more closely and let me try to talk you out of it. I'm not taking anything in this game. I thought Illinois might be a good candidate for the best bet because I've they've treated me well this season, but their quarterback is out. And from what I have heard and read, the backup doesn't sound promising at all. Illinois defense is actually one of the most efficient defenses. I think like number two uh, in EPA per game in the whole country. However, and I, w- I, w- I should have written it down, but the stats that I uh, heard about the backup and how their offense might look without their starter and a couple other injuries that have occurred recently uh, to the Illini did not. It, it made me pull it off my card. So I, I would at least give it another look before you before you take the six and a half because it scared me off of it. And I was excited about that one because I thought the that was that was kind of easy with them being at home and everything. But, yeah, I don't I don't know it. It. it it was a little too fishy for me. Yeah, all, all fair points there. Um, all right, my last game that I had on here uh, had Wisconsin-Michigan State. So Wisconsin's seven-and-a-half-point favorite at Sparty. The Spartans have lost their last four games this year. You know, usually I, I respect the Michigan State program, but I just don't think they have it this year. Four straight L's. Something's not going good not going right in East Lansing. Um Seven and a half, you can say what you want about that. The under in this game is 49 and a half. I don't think either of these teams are really good offensively. Do you have any thoughts? Um, well, so as you know, I work a couple people on my team are Wisconsin grads, and they obviously just fired their coach. Um, they've had really horrific offensive outings for the past couple years with quarterback Graham Mertz. Last week, they came out and walloped Northwestern. I think it was like 49 to 10 um, in that game, the first game with the interim coach. And my coworkers were saying, this looks so much better. They're using Mertz in like such a, you know, more smart and efficient fashion, really playing into his skill set. Um, So they were super high on the Badgers going forward for the rest of the season. And I'm with you, Michigan State. I was kind of sus on them before the season with how much they lost. And they had a really weird year last year where they just hit the transfer portal jackpot. But a lot of those guys are gone now, as you can see with what you say, four straight losses. Four, yeah. Yeah. So seven and a half. I, I, didn't have this game down, but if you are, do you like the Badgers or the under? What are you thinking? I, I like the Badgers, but what I like is the under. Okay. My, my, my gut says the under with that one, 49 I'll follow, and a half. I'll, I'll follow you on that one. Yeah. That, that sounds good to me. Do you have any more? Those were my two off the card games there. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to release your best bet of the week later or when I've you got, do that, but. I've got a couple that I'll hit on real quick. Then we can get to that. I'm taking Nebraska plus 14. They're playing at Purdue. I think Nebraska has looked a lot more competent ever since Scott Frost got out of the building. Also, I think Purdue's pretty good. And normally that's a decently hard place to play. 
Um, but Purdue's largest margin of victory against an FBS opponent this year is 10. And the Boilermakers have had games decided by four points, three points, two points, and two points in their other FBS games. So I'm going to hold my nose here and take Nebraska plus the 14. I think the Huskers can at least keep it within a couple of touchdowns here in West Lafayette. And my last one is North Carolina minus seven. I was kind of hesitant on this one. They're playing at Duke, so it's not really going to be like they're playing in a away game. UNC will probably have more fans in Duke Stadium than Duke will have. Um, but I think, I mean, UNC's defense scares me. Obviously, our guy Gene Chizik has had a lot of troubles there with that squad this year. Um, but I just think just the overall talent on the roster, U- UNC should be able to win this game by seven. All right, quick thoughts. I actually looked at Nebraska Purdue plus 14. So I'll tell you on that. I'll tell you on that one. I, I like that. And then UNC Duke, I have not looked at that, but UNC has made me gambling dollars this season. I have been happy with my picks on the Tar Heels so far. You mentioned it's at Duke. For anyone who doesn't know this, uh, Chapel Hill, where UNC is, and uh, Durham, North Carolina, where Duke is, they're eight miles apart, right? You can literally walk. I don't really – yeah, I don't really know if, if one team has home field advantage or the other, but we're not even talking about basketball. We're talking about football. So, yeah, UNC minus seven there. I, I think I think you're making a good case. I was – I'm kind of thinking that my best bet of the week might be Kansas plus nine versus Oklahoma. Uh, that – I think I've talked myself into that one. Do you, do you have any issues with that? Not at all. Um, it's already on my card, so I'm happy to endorse that one. I wasn't really sure uh, before we started, but after we kind of had our conversations and everything, I'm going to go with LSU Florida under 51 for my best bet. Yeah, that's that's a good one. That one's on my card too. So let's ride with that, and let's hope that uh, let's hope that that makes us some makes us some cash this Saturday. All right, baby. Well, that'll do it. Dylan, thank you for your uh, research and time and energy this this uh, this week leading into this podcast. I greatly appreciate it. And hopefully we can uh, we can all have a profitable Saturday. So you guys have have fun in Knoxville. Hopefully not too fun, too much fun for my sake, but it's going to be a hell of a hell of a weekend slate. So I'm looking forward to it, man. Thanks again, brother. Going to be one hell of a time. All right. Goodbye, everybody.